Welcome. If uh, this is your first time here to Calvary Slow, glad you guys are here. This is not a normal service for us. It's about half the size of what we normally have at a church on gathering on Sunday morning. Again, it's reflective of our city. If you guys have been around over the past few days, you know things just kind of slow down quite a bit throughout Slow. Uh, my wife and I, my daughter, we went to Scout the other day, and there was no line. Like, that, that's just indicative of what Slow is like this time of year. But we welcome it. We embrace it. We live into it. And this is kind of one of the ways in which we pivot and adjust to our city in this uh, time. Uh, next week, we'll be back to just kind of our normal type stuff that we have here on a Sunday morning with children's ministry for all ages and whatnot. Um, this morning, what I want to do is something a little bit different uh, with regard to our family-style services. If you guys don't have Bibles, uh, we have some, some ushers that would love to get you a Bible, so go ahead and raise your hand if you'd like, and they will get you a Bible. Uh, because family-style services are a little bit shorter in length to accommodate just the broader range of uh, people in our gathering, um, it obviously means that the teaching is not going to be as lengthy as it typically is. You're welcome. Um, but what we will do is, one of the things I want to do this morning that was a little bit kind of unique, I think, in terms of uh, taking advantage of the opportunity that we have to gather here, is um, I realize, obviously, this time of year, we talk a lot, especially going into the season of Thanksgiving, about the subject of gratitude, and that's kind of what I would like to talk about here this morning. Um, even though we're on the other side of Thanksgiving celebrations, I think the attitude and the posture of gratitude is something of great relevance for us to just kind of pause and think about and reflect upon. And I can't think of any other better passage to really look at and consider than Psalm 100. So if you guys want to open up to Psalm 100, we'll take a look at that in just a moment. Um, so I want to read this whole psalm. It's pretty short in length. It's basically in or segments, so if you want to think of it this way, Psalm uh, 100 verses 1 and 2 is, 1 and, one and 2 go together with verse 3, and then verses 4 and 5 go together. They're kind of coupling, uh, coupled together, and we'll unpack this in just a moment. But I'm going to just read the psalm at face value for what it's worth, and then I will pray, and then we'll get to work taking a look at this. But before I even jump in, because the subject is gratitude, because really the whole aspect of this psalm is an invitation. It's an invitation for you and I to practice gratitude. We'll talk about that, what that looks like in just a moment here. Uh, I want to create some space, once I'm done teaching, to hear from you guys. So this is kind of like audience participation. Um, there's something beautiful about when the church family or church community comes together and we bring a word of encouragement or something special or unique that's been happening in our lives. Or maybe, you know, again, lots of really bad stuff's been happening in life, but this is an opportunity to kind of train that muscle, that gratitude muscle in your soul to be able to focus on the good aspects or good elements of your life. Again, it is a discipline. We'll talk more about that in two seconds. Um, but what I want you guys to be thinking about right now is we'll create some space at the end to share some words of gratitude, which means obviously people will need to come up. There's a microphone up here. You'll be given the mic. If you go too long, we'll cut you off. But, um, but the point of the matter is, I'm, I'm, I mean that as, you know, I'm just being silly, but um, the point of the matter is it's an opportunity to, to break through that weird barrier of like, I don't really want to say anything or talk, to, to break through that into words of gratitude that actually has an impact upon a community. Again, more about that in two seconds. But let me go ahead and read uh, the entirety of this psalm, and then I will pray, then we'll get to work looking at this, and then we'll jump into some time at the end for you guys to share any stories of gratitude, things that you are grateful to God for in your life. So let's jump in. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5. Begins like this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is good, or he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And this is the word of the Lord. Let me pray, and we'll jump in. So, Jesus, we ask you right now that you would open our hearts to digest, to reflect, to consider um, the invitation, and not only the invitation, but the revelation of who you are, how you operate, the way that you work, and the way that you invite us to respond to all of that. We pray this morning. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the idea of gratitude, I want to just pause and reflect upon this, because especially this time of year, we talk a lot about gratitude. You hear the word gratitude come up more frequently than ever before. Um, the idea of gratitude is one of those concepts or virtues, I think, in our culture that I would almost even argue is probably one of the attitudes or postures that we as a culture, both secular and religious, think about most. Hear me out. So there is actually an entire segment of science that specializes in focusing on gratitude. Um, If you're familiar with Brene Brown, famous author, she obviously deals with guilt and shame, but she also deals with the idea of gratitude and has researched the impacts and the effects of that. Um, it is the subject of plenty of books, articles, podcasts. If you go onto your, you know, Apple iTunes or whatever podcast app that you use, Spotify, and you just type in gratitude, I guarantee you, you will find hundreds, if not maybe thousands of podcasts that have to do with gratitude. Um, if you think of it this way, it's presented oftentimes in our culture, just even secular culture. You don't even have to be a Christian. You don't even have to be a believer in God to kind of focus or recognize the need or the benefit of gratitude. In fact, it's oftentimes presented as a tool for feeling good or personal development and happiness. Oftentimes you find the coupled uh, phrases of mindfulness and gratitude. Again, you can download apps in the Apple store or Google store, if you are that person, um, use that type of phone. Um, but the point of the matter is, we still love you. We still accept you, even if you're not Apple. It's all good. But the point that I would make is this, dumb joke, by the way, is the, the fact is gratitude is something that we talk about a lot in our culture. We think about it a lot within our culture. Oftentimes, I think within certain circles, it's showcased around Thanksgiving, but then it oftentimes it's put off for a whole nother year. We pull it out of the drawer, we think about, oh, gratitude is the time of year, again, to be grateful. I would almost argue that the concept of gratitude is one of the most significant, most important virtues of the entire storyline of the Bible. Uh, it's, you know, aside from love and the commitment to love one another, it's, it's a response or a reflex that God invites us to share in or to live. It's a part of this fabric of how God says the universe is crafted if you live according to this way of recognizing who I am and responding to who I am, then you will enter into this rhythm, this reality of gratitude. But the thing of the matter is that I was kind of thinking through this is that because the idea of gratitude is so much talked about even within secular circles, I actually sometimes wonder, what if our culture has wanted to reach for the benefits of gratitude while at the same time detaching or decoupling it from the Judeo-Christian roots that's been tethered to a good creator who deeply cares about his creation. In other words, what I'm saying 
is it possible that our culture, for the most part, has this fascination with gratitude because they see the benefits of it, but at the same time are essentially saying, we don't want to really talk about a God or be accountable to a God or even think about any form of religious deity or entity that's up there somewhere in the sky because we just want the benefits of gratitude, but we don't want the other flip side of where gratitude comes from, which is this God that makes things good and makes things happen. And I think that seems to be a situation that we have and that we're facing as a culture. What if gratitude isn't so much dependent upon our changing conditions, but rather it's a mindset? This is something I've been kind of thinking about a lot, contemplating, considering. What if when we talk about the idea of gratitude, it's not so much gratitude happens to you. It's something that you pursue. It's not just something that you wait around for it to take place and therefore you have gratitude. It's something that you actively push into, press into, bring into your life. In some ways, I think it's kind of like the concept of love, where Jesus, for example, says, you know, love your enemies or love your neighbor. But just think about the sheer craziness of the phrase, love your enemy. How do you love your enemy, especially when you think about the concept of love in our culture today, which is a a feeling, a fuzzy, warm, you know, infatuated feeling that one has for another person. That's typically how we think of love. How do you love your enemy if it's really nothing more than this infatuation or feeling? Instead, love, according to Jesus, is not a feeling. It's an action. It's something you do. It's something you step into, something you press into, uh, which means it is not at all about a feeling. And I wonder if gratitude is kind of the same type of concept, that the importance of gratitude is something we recognize as a culture and a society, but what if it's more than just simply waiting around for gratitude to happen to me, so therefore I'm going to become a grateful person. Instead, we craft our life in such a way so that we become grateful people and we practice gratitude as an action, as a practice, as something we step into. Let me give you an example. Cicero, for example, going way back, even before Christ, uh, the statesman, the philosopher said something to this effect, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it is the parent of all other virtues. I think he was onto something. It's the parent of all other virtues. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, one of my favorite preachers, said something to this effect, that gratitude is the mark of a soul that's aware of grace. The mark of a soul that's aware of grace. Uh, Dr. Robert Emmons, he's a leading scientific expert on gratitude. He defines gratitude as ultimately having two parts. Number one, it affirms the goodness in one's life. So this is one thing that we can all identify. It's affirming genuine goodness. There's good things that are happening within our lives. But then secondly, he identifies it's recognizing the source of goodness lie at least partially outside of oneself. In other words, goodness is out there as a result of something or someone else, and therefore I partake of that and my gratitude is going to be dependent upon acknowledging, recognizing, receiving, and responding to that goodness. And I think he's onto something because I think this plays nicely with the large concept of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That the central to the concept of what it means to be Christians or followers of Jesus is we live in a universe in which we realize it's not about us. We are not the center of the universe. We have an important and central role in this universe, but we are not the center of the entire universe. 
In fact, if people live as if they are the center of the universe, we call them self-centered, we call them egocentric, we hate them. Sorry, hate is probably a strong word. Uh, apologize about that. I sometimes forget that there are little ones in here. Maybe they didn't even hear, and I'm probably spending too much time focusing on it. But the point of the matter is, the idea that we have this tendency that we dislike those that are egocentric or self-centered, because we know that that's not accurate with the way things are. But, but what if the way that God created us is that he's the center of all things, and when we live with the acknowledgement of that, and that he's God over all things, that does something to our hearts. It shapes our hearts in such a way where we live uh, responsibly to that. Uh, there's a gal by the name of Janice Kaplan within her book called Gratitude Diaries. She says something to this effect. She says, when people share, I found this pretty fascinating, listen carefully. When people share positive emotions like gratitude with each other, he is with each other. Uh, scans show that people's brains sync up and show similar activity. In other words, you increase the capacity uh, for the natural capacity for love. This is what some of the latest science is showing, is that when people gather together in the company of one another and they express things that they are grateful for, there's sort of a harmonizing of people's, I don't know, part of their brains that light up, that synchronize, that harmonize, and it increases the capacity of being connected to one another in some form of like love and relationship and connectedness. Uh, in other words, the very thing that you and I long for in this world, something happens when we gather and we have the practice of showing gratitude. Something just takes place. When we train ourselves, practice this sense of articulating or thinking or journaling or writing down certain things that we can actually be grateful for, even in the midst of a life that's really hard or challenging, uh, it does something to us. As thinking about this, um, as well, I think we also got to address some of the hindrances to gratitude because there's at least four of them. I'll go through these real quickly. Um, number one, I think distraction or busyness. Um, we can find ourselves with this impulse to show gratitude, and then ultimately it just really quickly disappears the moment our phone vibrates, our kid cries, we notice the driver behind us tailgating you, and all of this immediately just kind of like throws the idea of gratitude out the window. We forget about it, and so we move on from one thing to the next. Again, we live in a world that's just constantly filled with distractions. I don't need to tell you that. We all know this. But the fact of the matter is, all of these things do damage to this practice, this muscle of gratitude. Uh, the second thing I think of is pessimism, or this idea that negativity is greater than positivity. We have a tendency, some of us are kind of wired that way, by the way. We're just wired like natural state Eeyores, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, Winnie the Pooh, where you just, everything around you is like glass is half full, life is kind of hard, a lot of bad things happen to a lot of good people, and I just happen to be one of those good people that a lot of bad things are happening to, and it's kind of that woe is me type of a thing. Uh, again, we can all be that way. I can be that way a lot, to be really frank with you, um, but the point of the matter is, and a lot of times this happens because sometimes, you know, we just, our lives have a lot of misfortune that happens to us, and over time, we just kind of begin to believe this narrative that nothing good will ever happen. It's always going to be bad. You try Trust somebody, you give them your heart, they're just going to bail on you, they're going to let you down, you're going to be disappointed in another situation. You find yourself engaged in something that brings your heart a little bit of sense of joy, but immediately you're just like, it's like you can't let yourself fully engage in that because there's something in the back of your head, this narrative that says, well, it's all going to fail anyhow. And you just can't enjoy it, you know what I'm talking about? Like both of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? But the point that I would make is this, is that pessimism is a really big thing. In other words, gloomy predictions about the future 
Or here's another one, obsessing over threats in our environment. In other words, you can have 10 things go right in your life and one thing go bad, and like you obsess over that one thing that went bad, and you forget the fact that 10 things actually went really right. Um, this is just sort of a natural pessimism that can be a hindrance to gratitude. A third one is disenchantment. Or another way you can think about this is a loss of awe. Have you ever watched a child? In fact, I want you to just think about it. The children are even in here right now. They've been sitting down preoccupied. In fact, they're doing really good, by the way. Thank you so much, parents. You guys are doing a great job with your kiddos. Uh, but the fact of the matter is a kid can sit down uh, with a piece of paper and a really nasty, grody crayon forever and just color like endlessly, or you can keep doing some sort of like peekaboo with them, and they never get bored of it. Like, how is that possible? Or you just give them a little widget or something, a little cardboard box, and all of a sudden they're entertained for like, I don't know, at least 15, 20 minutes. Sit down with an adult and have them like play with something like that. We get bored really, really easily, really, really quick. Why is that? Uh, I think uh, the older we get, the more we lose our sense of awe of the world around us. It's just the way that we are as human beings. I think it has something to do with even what Jesus says. Those that come to me need to come to me uh, with, with the idea, a childlike sense of awe, uh, because it's really easy to become bored with stuff. And again, part of it, the older you get, the more aware of your surroundings you become, the more you are aware of things that you may be missing out on. And as a result of that, uh, we quickly, easily become disenchanted. That rush, of satis- that rush of satisfaction and gratitude, in other words, you want to think of it this way, that, that dopamine hit that we get the moment we fall in love, the moment we buy that brand new car, the moment we move into that new house, the moment we get that brand new promotion, that dopamine hit that we have right there. It's like, ah, this is amazing. I can't believe this. And that, that sustains you for a couple days. If you're married, we actually call it the honeymoon period, right? Once the honeymoon period's over, it's just like, Life is just back to being that normal, horrible rhythm, cadence of just tedium over and over and over again. And this is that disenchantment that ultimately ends up happening, that rush of satisfaction, gratitude um, over that once new love or car or home or job stops making the heart swell with gratitude because of overfamiliarity or dissatisfaction, what I like to think of as disenchantment. I mean, think about this. How many times have you gone or moved from this scenario in your life where you were enchanted with something? Again, like I said, take your pick, whatever it is. You have this season of enchantment. Your heart's alive. You can't stop thinking about it. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got this new car or got this new job or I'm in this new relationship and everything about it is fresh and new and beautiful and good. But over time, Something begins to happen. Your soul begins to become disenchanted and then disengaged. And in some cases, just really frustrated, just very deeply dissatisfied. Why does it happen to us as adults? Just pause and think about that. Why does that happen? It happens to all of us. Why? And how do we break out of that? And what I'm suggesting to all of us, there is a way to break out of that. Gratitude is the only way to break out of that. But it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a thing that will also keep you from being grateful the more you give into that sense of disenchantment. And then lastly, envy. Um, this, we know that to the degree that you have this tendency to look at others and realize they have something that you don't have, um, that can breed a sense of deep frustration and hurt and anxiety and anger in your soul because they're getting something that you wish that you yourself had. 
And I was thinking about this as well. Like social media is literally wired this way. It's the, the whole aim of social media is literally to become a means by which you showcase your life. It's literally the idea behind it. You showcase your life. You showcase, you know, you hanging out with the your friends last night, drinking your nice little martini, you going to Madonna Inn, you having your little fun uh, endeavor, you going on a surf trip, you posting your cute little outfit that you got on. And it's wired that way. But here's what happens is if you are the person that's having a rough day and you look at all your other friends that are posting their great day, their best day yet, it can naturally breed within your soul a deep sense of dissatisfaction or envy. And now you move from the state of like, rather than like, I'm so happy that, you know, 30 of my friends are having the best day, even though my life is in the dumps right now. I'm so happy for them. That's not what happens. Never. What happens is we look at that and we're like, gosh, I'm missing out on something. They have it. I don't. They have joy. I don't. They have a boyfriend. I don't. They're married. I'm not. They have a job. I'm still looking. They've got resources, finances, blessing, providence, privilege. I don't. I'm barely making my rent. And it breeds this deep sense of envy, and envy kills our sense of gratitude. So I want to finish in just looking at the last little segment here of going back to the passage. And I want to just focus on a couple different things here as we uh, close. So I'll show you two different slides here, both of which kind of have the same pattern. So I mentioned at the very beginning that these two Uh, this whole psalm has basically two coupled verses or two coupled segments together. So the first segment is verses one and two, which is basically just one segment, and then verse three. And if you guys are familiar with what's called the imperative indicative paradigm, it basically goes something like this, is that there are passages in the Bible that are indicative, and then there's an imperative. So an indicative is basically something that shows forth the reality of something. In other words, here's the reality of you know, X, Y, and Z, or in this case, here's the reality of who God is, what you are in relationship to God, and here's the imperative, or if you like to think of the word imperative as being a call to action. Here's the call to action, or because this is the reality, here is to be the invitation of response that you're being called or led into. So with that being said, let's take a look at, first of all, verses one to the imperative. He makes this point, like, make a joyful noise. So he's inviting the reader Make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Come and sing. So get that? Making joyful noise. Serving Yahweh God. Coming and singing. And I love how this passage is basically an invitation. Again, it says, let come and sing all the earth. This is an invitation for all peoples across all cultures, all nationalities on the face of the planet. God's invitation to salvation and life are for all people. God does not omit exclude. He invites all to come, partake, be transformed, be changed, become like him. And and the indicative of this is, in other words, the why. Why should we sing? Why should we serve the Lord? Why should we come and make this joyful noise? Because, he tells us, because Yahweh is the creator God. And he made us to thrive in his pastor. This is kind of my words. You can read the rest of the passage. He says he's he's a shepherd. We're a sheep. He invites us to come live to fully live. It's like what Jesus says. He says, my sheep know my voice. And he describes him. I've come to bring life and that might have life abundantly. Jesus' aim is to bring us into this fullness of life. And then second slide we'll end on this is this idea, this 
first uh, the imperative and then the indicative, the imperative. And this little next movement is to bring thanksgiving, to bring praise, to bring blessing. And uh, the reality for this or the indicative for this is because Yahweh is a caring God and he's good and he's faithful to all generations. And it's not until we get to the person of Jesus that we see the extensiveness of God's faithfulness and commitment to fully shepherd us. It's Jesus that we see, the fullness of God, the fullness of Yahweh step into this world as we move into the season of Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus. A big theological word for that is the incarnation, when God takes upon himself flesh and bone tells us a number of things. The number one thing, at least it tells us, is that God cares about creation and our lives. I want you right now just to pause and think about that, because maybe right now you might be looking at your life and looking at the things that you don't have, looking at the things that you're facing, the things that you do have that you're not really super happy about. Um, I've mentioned this to you guys before. Uh, My wife and I are currently on this cancer journey, and she was just diagnosed about a month and a half ago. It's not how we envision ending 2023. But it's what we have. It's what we've been given. It's what we have to face. So we can either face it in an attitude of frustration or anger or embitterment. Or we have choices to make in this. Like, we are not benign uh, agents in this whole thing. We have choices that we can make that will actually either lead us to a path of flourishing because it's tethered to this concept of a shepherd who knows us, who loves us, and has his best intention in our lives. Or we can live as if we are detached from any benevolent God and we are literally free-falling through this planet and this solar system, and we are just trying to make sense of anything that's totally nonsensical. In other words, the entirety of meaning, value, and purpose is solely based upon me. And all I want to say is that that's the world that we live in. It's utterly exhausting. It's utterly exhausting. And you wonder why our souls are oftentimes filled with anxiety and stress and tiredness. The invitation of Jesus is to see that the Lord is good, to see that God is a shepherd, to see that God is faithful to all generations. And as a result of that, just like he says, bring thanksgiving. Bring praise, bring blessing, because God is good. So for us, gratitude, the idea, the concept, the virtue, the practice of gratitude is deeply tethered to our creator, God. So in closing, what I'd love to do right now is I'd love to just take some time to just hear your guys' stories of things that you can look at and say, man, I'm, I'm thankful because this is what's been going on in my life. Again, keep it brief. Um, but this is how I can right now, as an act of grace and praise and gratitude, speak forth the ways in which God has been shepherding me or taking care of me or leading my life to flourish, even in the midst of kind of a painful circumstance or existence. So I'm going to have Mike come on up and he's going to get ready to lead us in a closing song of worship. But if anybody would have a story of gratitude I would like to share. We always have to just, you know, break through that odd oddness of you know, someone's got to come on down first. And I'm going to move on down here. We have a little mic down here. And if that's you, if you'd like to come on down, I will join you down here and you can come down. So also kids can do this as well. But if anybody has a story of gratitude they would like to share, come on down and share it.
We don't do this very often, guys. So this is an opportunity for you to uh, take advantage of this. Anybody? Come on down, man. Here we go. Uh, this may seem like an odd thing to be talking about in the realm of gratitude, but I just want to praise the Lord. This uh, last spring, we lost our, my mom uh, to cancer, and uh, pretty hard time. But in the process, God provided the circumstances and called my only brother to a saving faith in Christ. And so even though we lose her presence for a time, we gain my brother for an eternity. So it's uh, one of those things, you know, and God is good. And even in the dark circumstances, you know, you can see the light that he brings to my life and to all our lives. And uh, on another more, I guess, less complex way, I'd also say I'm very happy. Uh, we just found out uh, a couple days ago that our oldest son and his wife are having our first grandchild. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, everybody. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Anybody else? Make your way down. Come on, Michelle. I'll just hold on to the mic for you. Hi. Um, so in 2011, my car was T-boned by a bus. I was in a coma for a month. And the anniversary of that was actually this last week. So it's been like 12 years. Um, it was a hard time <laughs> waking up and not even be able to move. But uh, thanks to this church, which has become my family, um, I had a lot of support and help through that. And because of God, I have an amazing recovery, and I no longer even <laughs> look like I've had anything like that happen to me. So just thankful for God and this church. Anybody else got to make your way down? Come on, buddy. Say your name. My name is August, and I'm thankful for my dog, Willie. Nice. You have a photo of him? What? You have a photo? No. No. All right. Thanks, man. Awesome. Your dog, Willie. It's great. Anybody else? You don't even need an introduction. Take a few more, guys. Who's bold enough to come on down? Come on, there's got to be more of you. Come on. Hi. Um, so in June, my dad got in a car or in a bike accident, bicycle accident, and was completely paralyzed. And now he's walking and driving and kayaking. And I'm just so grateful for the whole church community. Just coming around me and praying and 
um, it's really a miracle. So amazing. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. That's good. Anybody else? just thankful that no matter where God leads us you know we don't know but when he leads us somewhere he always says take courage I'm with you always and so I'm so thankful for his presence there's nowhere we can go that he's not already there so um, no matter where you're at um, you can always if you listen you can hear him saying I'm there I'm here I'm here with you. So. Thank you. That's awesome. Awesome. Let's take a couple more, guys. Anybody else? We need to hear from this side of the room. Anybody? Or this side? That's fine. If someone else wants to come on down, make your way down too so we can limit the pauses here. Come on down. I'll hold on to it. A few friends this last summer um, drove down and laid hands on me and prayed for me. I had um, cancer right here on this last June about the size of a nickel, and um, they had biopsied it and everything. And um, and I had another friend, like, maybe two days later, and her family um, came into town and laid hands on me. And each time we gave thanks and praise to the Lord and worshipped him. And, of course, my own family uh, had prayed for me that week and laid hands on me. And slowly, over ten days after that, I grew back skin because the doctor said that would never happen. And they were worried about the tumor because right next to the eye and the nose. And so instead of having surgery, which we were planning on doing, even plastic surgery (laughs) and all that, um, it started healing up. And I had this big bandage that I used to keep on it, um, a windy nose. (laughs) And so I just kept looking at it going, I think it's healing. I think it's healing. But I didn't want to say anything. And then um, then it totally healed. And as you can tell, there's nothing there. And I'm very, very thankful. Um, first time that's really been a very visible miracle in my life. And a testimony of just prayer and thankfulness that we worship the Lord. Um, instead of responding like you said, not woe is me, not this is oh so horrible, but an opportunity to look to the Lord in his face and um, have gratitude because now I'm healed in that area. And it's just been a really big blessing even during Thanksgiving. Awesome. So thank you, Lord. We praise you, awesome. Father. Thank you. All right, take one more here. Come on down. What's up, man? I hold that. 
So about three years ago, I had a pretty bad surfing accident and uh, hit a reef and uh, five cracked ribs, 15 stitches. I was knocked out uh, face down in the water. And then there was an amazing rescue. And uh, it's just pretty amazing. I'm here and I know why I'm here. And I just praise the Lord, and I know angels were with me. It's mm. amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Oh, come on down. Hello, hello. We got two more. Come on. Here we go. Come on, everybody. Hi. Um, I'm thankful for those few years that I got with my dog named Marley. He passed away two years ago, and. Sometimes I pray, and I f- sometimes when I'm going to sleep, I feel him, that he's coming right next to me. Uh, yeah. Nice. Marley? Marley. Marley, that's cool. It's a beautiful name. Thank you for sharing. What's up, um, I'm thankful for this church, and that um, this, and I pray that this community will keep building up, and I just praise the Lord that everybody is here today to worship the Lord. That's awesome. Thanks, buddy. Well, let's, um, let's do what he said. How about we all stand? It's an opportunity for us to lift up our voices. And I mean, I, I couldn't have preached it better than that. So that was, that was it. Erase everything else that I said. Let that be the sermon. Um, Let's lift up our voices. Uh, just one more round of just lifting up our praises and honor and adoration to Jesus. Again, for some of us, that might feel really painful and hard. And that feeling of painfulness and hardness is the sacrifice of praise that you bring. In other words, it's costing you something. But worship that costs you something demonstrates its value. Worship that costs us nothing doesn't really show its value. So for some of us, it's like the cost is going to be high. You lift your voice and you proclaim God's praises in spite of what types of circumstances you're going through. Just simply because he alone is good. So let's lift up our voice, let's sing, and let's devote the rest of the time to Jesus. So Lord, right now, we lift our voices in praise and adoration and gratitude to you. So let's sing. 